My name's Richo Damani. I'm joined in Queensland by the effervescent Gillian Upton and we're joined in the studio by the equally effervescent Paul Taylor. How are you, Paul? Uh, well, Richo, good to be here. Yeah, good to see you. Now, we've, there's been a bit of a journey, of course, with you on the show because I've had you on as a guest several times. Yes. And then you did join us as a bit of an off-the-bench emergency one morning in Wagga. Yes, I did. <laughs> sitting on the bed. I just got out of the shower, I think, and uh, yes. And you were talking about this amazing trip overseas. Ah, yes. So that's what I wanted to get you on to sort of debrief. Now, just before we do that, um, Jill, Paul, Paul and I were sitting next to each other the other day at the Moet Echandon tasting and just talking uh-huh. talking a little off air about how amazing the wines were. Yes, he's such a knowledgeable, uh, edifying individual and he... Uh, um, he gave me insights into champagne I did not know about. He no really way. did. He was and, amazing. And so, I, and one of the other things that surprised me, Richo, was I. You yeah. know, we are so into vintage champagne and the esoteric champagnes, but of course, when you listen to him, you realise commercially it's all about Moet and Chandon NV. That's yeah, what it's all Bruce about. Yeah, Imperial. If if you look, obviously the listeners won't be able to see this, but I've got five or six pages of notes that I wrote. And very studious, Richard. Well. You know, it's not every day you sit next to the chef de car from Moet to Chandon. No, and, and absolutely of course, not. What I was mainly blown away by was the quality of the non, to be honest, the Brut Imperial and the the Rosé. They were fantastic. And I'm, I, I didn't realise he'd spent 20 years bringing the dosage down, making them drier. And, in fact, I'm not talking out of school by saying the long-term project is to make it five grams per litre, make it extra brute mm. as a, and, and even – I mean – that's pretty amazing for a big champagne house. Oh yes, mm. I hadn't. I I don't purchase that particular champagne, but like you, I was uh, mildly surprised at the quality of it. Now I don't purchase it either, but I'm gonna start purchasing it because <laughs> I was like, what am I not recommending this wine for? This yeah. is grouse. So what's that retailing for at the moment? What like seventy? What well, full retail is about seventy five bucks. Yeah, yeah okay. but it cool. does. Yeah, it, it's one of those funny things, and okay. you know the the prices and. Uh, I don't know, champagne, as we all know, it's going to get more expensive, isn't it? And yeah. that's just the way things are. Uh, you can see the same thing happening with whiskies and imports from in other industries as well. Mm, yes. uh, but I, I reckon we may have had it pretty good for a long time in terms of champagne prices in this country, Paul. Now, you I know, think so. Now, with, that, with all due respect, you have been around a little while. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and in fact, I recall Michael Hutchinson's parents, his dad, was the one who used to import Moet Chandon into Queensland wow. back in the day. That's okay. that's where. But, but you really? know, you would have been tasting this wine over, what, 30, 40 years? Absolutely. And it's always been majorly present in our market. Yeah. And back in a time when, you know, as a young fellow, I remember there was Great Western Bubbly and or Champagne, as it was called, and yes. Missionary. Yeah. And they were pretty ordinary. So uh, so it always was, it was something, a delight to drink. But then along came lots of other esoteric and interesting champagnes that I felt left it behind. But yeah. it was, I was impressed with the quality the other day. Me too. Me, me too. Um, I've, actually, whilst we're on this, I've got one for well, both of you. Yeah. Um, so on the show a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a lady called Fran Bridgewater. She was actually coming live from the UK. Yes. And it was just off the back of the three-day uh, London wine and um, wine show, and we did quite a focus on UK uh, sparkling and table wines. What's your take? I mean, I know that you you can we can access a few of them. It's still very limited at the moment. What's what's your take on their sparkling, and does it rival French champagne? Well, let's start with the question that Paul Taylor asked to Benoit Guez, the chef de cave, and I said, did. "With because we did speak a lot 
and very openly about global warming. Yes. And in fact, he spoke about it. And what a very, as you say, engaging and smart Honestly. man. So Paul asked us the question with global warming, where is there anywhere to go further north? And what did he reply? Oh, yeah, I said the 35,000 hectares that is currently classified as champagne, is there potential to expand and maybe go north to a cooler area? And he gave me a wry grin and said, yes, the UK. <laughs> <laughs> We right. all are. Well, a couple of us right. are, partly. They've got the <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah, okay. Richard's going to be chuckling for like the next 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, because basically other champagne houses have gone to the UK. Yes. I so think Pomery's Pom- Pomery yeah. is there. And I Tat, think is it? Somebody else. Maybe Rotary was one yeah, of the first to go be. there. Um, and so, of course, with when we had, do you remember, Jill, when we had Xavier Bizzo on the show and um, and I started talking about some of the really nice English sparkling wine and he just was not happy because yeah. he's from the Bollinger family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think I think um, Benoit was a little more politically correct when he sort of said, look, these guys, are they're starting to make some pretty good wines and they're, yeah, they're finding their job. way through it and... You know, um, in fact, we went, we had a dinner with Jean-Luc Chappelle that I referenced previously. He's the brand ambassador from from Jaboulet. And we kicked off with a nice um, English sparkling wine, actually, mm. the name of which what I can't remember, it? from Deja Vu. Um, it was... Hattingley or... No, it wasn't Hattingley. So that's that's Cellarhand. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not sure. Night Timber. Like, oh, yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Night Timber Blanc de Blanc uh, tasted a fabulous wine. So it, my opinion of that sort of stuff is it's getting really a lot better and I, I find it very tasty. However, the Deosa wines that, that Xavier oh, made yes. and that the $80 mm. one, the Blanc de Blanc, yep. I've had some of yep. that and that is um, that is actually incredible Australian. Have Did you, you say it's at a superior? Yes, it was impressive. I had it once, yes. Yeah, mm. it, it is impressive. It's but great. I'm, moving north raises a question about moving south. I sometimes wonder as Tasmania expands in its world position of quality wines whether mm. again more people will look uh, more champagne houses will look at Tassie well also yeah. I think do you think central Otago sparkling is very underrated in Australia I don't know what it's like in New Zealand mm. I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't know um, so maybe you know question without notice to, to the listeners or maybe we can chat to someone from New Zealand about this going forward but um, you know the, the value in Australian sparkling wine is certainly becoming... is excellent. Yeah, uh, it's becoming it very, excellent. very obvious now. Um, yeah. And, you mm-hmm. know, right from your... We had um, Merrick Watts recently on. We were talking about the Craiglinger Rosé, uh, the mm. 2017 version of that, which won the Halliday Sparkling Wine of the Year last year. And that's mm. insane. That's 50 bucks. Yeah. 50 yeah. bucks. Happy days. Now, we do digress. Let's chat about your trip over to South America, Paul. So, firstly... Who went? And what was well, the reason Well, it was about because my mate Mark Maxwell from Maxwell Wines in uh, McLaren Vale was yes. having a big birthday and he likes to celebrate them largely. And he said, I'd like to buy you lunch for my birthday. And I said, terrific. <laughs> now, Mark's current restaurant from, I haven't been there for about four years, more reports is highly ranked in South Australia and probably the best in uh, McLaren Vale. So I thought, oh, I'd be delightful. I'll go over there to his restaurant. And I said, so where, Mark? And he said, Mendoza. <laughs> In fact, he said Zuccardi, and that rang a bell with us. Being yes. you and you know, you and I are both involved with uh, selling Zuccardi, yeah. so so we headed off. And there was a few of his wine making mates, like uh, Ben Riggs was there, and Jeff Hardy. Uh, they were the only ones. We thought Scott Collett was going to come in because Scott likes a last minute arrival, but he didn't turn up. <laughs> okay. Uh, lady named Jane Paul, who I think was making wine in in Adelaide Hills, but uh, so we all got on planes, and uh, my partner and I arrived in Santiago. Before they did, they were coming back from, they went to the Galapagos. and right. So we arrived in Santiago, which was delightful, and uh, we had appointments because 
as you know, um, Dan Murphy's imports some wine from South America. And one of the uh, exporters is a company called VSPT who have five, look after five, no, own five wineries in, five labels in uh, Chile and a couple in Argentina. So they're a big right. company. They're sort of top ten in, in, in the world. And so okay. they very nicely uh, gave me some hospitality and took me to a couple of places. That, uh, but one of the things that did interest me was an overall view, Richo, which I think is interesting that in world production, I think um, Chile is number six producer in the world and Argentina is seven. Right. Uh, however, on an interesting point of view, Chile is the fourth largest exporter of wine in the world and uh, Argentina's down at about 11, which raises two possibilities, I reckon, mate. Right. One is the Argentinians just like their wine a lot and drink a lot more of it. <laughs> yeah. But the other one, which is probably to the rule of Australian exporters, is that um, the number one export market for Chile is China. China. And I think yep. they pinched a got in smartly. They have a trade agreement with China. And uh, mm. so good on them from that point of view. So that was an interesting aspect that, that hadn't occurred to me, but... Then there was the point of view of the quality. One thing I did like, you may recall that Dan sells a um, uh, an entry level Pinot from an area called from a company called Leda L E Y D A. Yes, yes. Now Leda is a new sub region, uh, sort of beyond Maipo and the Casablanca Valley, very close to the Pacific in Chile. And I went there and had the pleasure of meeting a very enthusiastic uh, viticulturalist who. Um, had dug that hole in the ground they all like to do to show you the different yeah, levels. Yeah, the Kunawara people yeah. love to do that. Classic Kunawara. Yeah, yeah. And and the soils are over granite and it's very much a cool climate region close to the Pacific. So that excited me. I saw Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Chardonnay, Pinot, um, Shiraz from that region. And I think that that's probably the area they're going towards because, of course, they're so influenced by Carmenere and um, mm. Cabernet and Merlot there. Yeah, okay. Uh, what about... Can uh, I just quickly... I've just got to quickly ask, what do you mean when you say it's a new sub-region? Uh, so uh, the Maipo Valley, Casablanca, many areas of Chile have been making wine for, for decades, but I think the first grapes grown, planted in um, later were only in the 90s. So they've realised that if they're going to try and endeavour to make cooler climate styles like Pinot Noir and Sablanc yeah. comes into it, then they need to find other regions and certainly that works. It's, it's over granite so it, um, the water runs away fairly quickly yeah. and it seems to be well suited to cool climate varieties. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, so cool. it, it, just you. touching in on what you said before about wine production, so it used to be sort of Italy and Spain yep. fighting out for the number one. Uh, but in 2021, Jill, question for you. What do you reckon? Who's the biggest okay. producer out of Italy, Spain or France in 2021? Who made the most wine? What do you reckon? It's an interesting question. Italy, Spain or France? Yeah. I'm going to go with Spain. Yeah, I would have thought so too, but it's actually Italy by a significant right. amount. So, yeah, well, Italy we... was going to be my second guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's such a little country. So Italy, Spain and France, then United mm. States. Yep. Australia were yep. fifth in 2021, followed by Chile and yeah. then Argentina, which yes. were, they're almost exactly yes. Australia and Chile almost produce exactly the same amount of yes. wine, yeah. which I find yeah, right. absolutely fascinating. And of course, Chile is such a long, thin country that yes. you have got a great variety of of areas. I didn't go down south too far because uh, for a couple of reasons, but one, they've had some terrible bushfires, oh, right. so the vintages in recent time haven't been super, okay. but it was also a matter of time. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it muchly. The Carmenere is an interesting variety. I can't say I went there. I remember a decade ago going to South America and same thing. I 
I was never a big fan of Pinotage, but of course you go to these countries, you visit a winery where there's a, a pretty hip winemaker and they're handling it in the vineyard, so all of a sudden you think, yeah, that's a pretty impressive Carmen, yeah. You know. The best Pinotage I've ever had, which is South African, I, I believe, um, was actually from New Zealand. Ah. Yeah, it was um, Kidnapper Cliffs down there in Hawke's Bay. They made an incredible pinotage. Well, that's uh, not very surprising, is it? The Kiwis, they do it all right, don't they? Uh, Although, um, <laughs> they do okay. I, I was going to talk to Eddie McDougall, our first guest about this, who, who never showed up, unfortunately. We'll get him on again. But he's a big rugby man. But it was good to see the Brumbies get a win last night. Oh, you're the right. Rugby okay. union. Um, anyway, <laughs> so uh, let's move on to your trip to Argentina. Sure. So Because that's where you you had your the actual birthday lunch, right? We did. Uh, I have to say, Zucar, is the most uh, impressive, architecturally impressive winery I've ever been in. It's wow. quite stunning. It was wow. beautiful. That's a huge call. It is a huge call. And I'm like you, I've you know visited wineries in Europe and as I just said, South yeah. Africa and all over yeah, the world yeah. and yeah. Uh, USA. It was just magnificent. Wow. Um, the effort, the cost that had gone into the, the work. My partner is a building designer, an architect. Yes. Yeah. And certainly, you know, she was in awe wandering around. So we were very impressed. Yeah. We had a delightful lunch looked at a great variety of Zuccardi wines, but as you and I know, they're impressive. Melbeck, I think, is terrific variety. Beautiful. You know, a, mm. yeah. are, you unlike, a Melbeck, are you a fan, Jill? Do you drink a lot of Melbeck? Big, big fan. Love. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, Carmen, yes, history is lost somewhere in the mid because it, I think the uh, 18th century when Phylloxera came along, yes. it was just, it is a slow ripener, Richo, so I think that therefore what works in Chile is it's warm and it can yeah. take mm. its time. But Melbeck is, I think, a better variety. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot of Cabernet, a lot of Merlot, and uh, some. And I was impressed with Chardonnay. Being a, a Chardonnay fan, I did see a couple of um, Chardonnay. Had a lunch at Trapiche, and they very delightfully matched eight wines. With eight, and I was most impressed. Right. They had Semillon, they had Sav Blanc. Semillon, a little broad. Uh, Sav Blanc, I, my observation from what I saw was they're making them in a style uh, uh, a little bit more phenolics, perhaps. Uh, riper grapes, so a style I probably prefer, more mouthfeel, but yeah. uh, Shiraz, they're working that out. So there's there's just more and more good wines coming the, out. The Trapeze Chardonnays, would it be fair to say they're pretty old school, like pretty rich and yes. kind of uh, yes. like not super oaky, but they have the, the buttery kind of old school yes. feel to them? Absolutely. And yeah. I have to be honest, it's a style I like. Yeah. Um, Me too. But I oh, certainly seriously, I, I love it. Yep. After lunch, raced in to buy one to take back to show it to my friend. Mark Maxwell, because uh, he and I and our partners went on to Iguaza Falls, which is one of the wonders of the world. So right. we uh, drank it there before we went to dinner one night. So fascinating trip. Yeah. Delightful area. Drinking um, old school Chardonnay at one of the great sets of falls in the world. Sounds like a pretty terrible uh, holiday, mate. And river fish. We then went out to dinner and we were advised to go to a particular restaurant and drink river f- eat river fish I'd never heard of and they were delightful. <laughs> Is that just a catch-all for all the fish in the river? Or? <laughs> it's, it's like a field blend. They just get a few and throw them in a pot. You know? <laughs> As opposed to the land fish uh, or the sea fish. Um, so, but what, what sort of food was it like at Trapeche? I mean... What sort of what did oh, you eat? It was, uh, definitely eight courses that were you I would describe as eclectic, as you'd expect mm. in a restaurant. In, in a in a certainly meat drives everything in Argentina, yeah. which has got a terrible inflation problem, by the way. Oh, okay. And um, I was advised to take American dollars, and um, I think that one stage I traded some dollars at four hundred and seventy pesos to a dollar, but somebody said that only eighteen months ago it was two hundred. Wow. So actually, things were cheap when you did it that way. When you traded your American dollars yeah. and went out with the, but uh, the, the the wines were excellent across the board in every way. The Shiraz Viognier I was impressed with. Semillon I was excited about. Had a bit of age. I said to 
the sommelier who seemed, he knew what he's talking about, I think this particular um, uh, Shiraz Viognier is corked. And without even tasting it, because I was quite happy for him to counter me and say, no, that's our style or you missed <laughs> yeah, this point. Something. He just went, raced away and said, I couldn't find the other 16, here's the 15. I said, that'll do. Uh, happy days. Now, with um, Zuccotti, did you taste all the concrete egg stuff? Did you see that kind of production side of it we as well? We certainly, we got a very good... Uh, tour of it. I didn't taste it all because yeah. I was at a lunch and the wines were selected. There was about a dozen of them. but yeah. So I didn't get through everything, but certainly they are like most um, innovative modern wineries in the world. They are trying, as so many in Australia, are trying all sorts of production methods and all sorts of methods of storage and fermentation. And We're living in an exciting time wine-wise. Well, that, that was interesting yeah. about uh, Moata Chandon too, right? Talking about yes. using ceramic eggs yes. and things like that. Yeah. I do want to share something with you, and that was in Santiago. Yeah. Mark had decided to go to a restaurant called Barago, which is top 50 in the world. I think it was 17. Okay. I won't say how much we spent, the two of us, on dinner. It was a hell of a lot. I sat at a table with Ben Riggs and Jeff Hardy. Yeah. And overall, I will tell you, I think the meal for the two of us was over a grand. Some of it was just terrible, Richard. Really? It was oh, 10 wow. courses, and, at one, and the wines were all Argentine. A couple were bubbly from a musket base. At right. one stage, Ben Riggs, who you might have met, Ben, he's a big fellow <laughs> and he's not short before, of an opinion. Yeah. Great man. And at one stage, he called him over and said, mate, this is a terrible match, this wine and food. Here, you put this. <laughs> so it was. So how does um, they get rated up there with the top 50 restaurants? I think, Jill, because it's so esoteric. You know, they go out to the edge yeah. and they served yeah. meals. I wish I could, should have sent some photos. They served meals in pot plants. Out came <laughs> pot plants and in it were these little false mushrooms and you took them out and ate them and... So they went yeah, to right. enormous effort. With so, what, sorry, what country was this in? This is in Santiago, capital of Chile. So, so there's a bunch of Chilean guys sitting in the kitchen, just like, let us serve <laughs> this food in the yeah. pot plant for these stupid they're, Australians. They're all, they're all just like taking the piss out of everybody exactly. and having a ball. So this is like our take on it, on paddock to plate, but it's paddock to pot. Paddock to pot. That's a new hashtag. Paddock to pot. I like there that. There we go. <laughs> Not long ago, I did you go should to be the marketing, Jill. The Royal Mail, Jill, up in, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Royal Mail Hotel in, in Dunkel, but I have to say the, the the meal there was better in terms of, a, again, a lot of courses that were... Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. it's sort of, you, there is food on the edge and esoteric and, you know, pushing the boundaries for its own sake. And then there's food that does that that still tastes good. So Fairviken in Sweden was one of those places. So René Redzepi from Noma would take mm. his crew to, to Fairviken to dine. And um, I was actually sitting in a pizza restaurant in Sweden, uh, illegally BYOing some wine, which is, you know. <laughs> Very illegal it. in Sweden. Well, uh, it is totally illegal so in you Sweden. you head down to the table yeah. and you were just sort of pouring no, it no, into no, a no, paper I knew cup. The guy, I knew the guys <laughs> No, you took it in a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I took it in and I said to the guys, look, you know me, and they're like, you can do it, that's fine. So it was a 1962 Orlando Hermitage. So it was Jacob's mm. Creek Shiraz from 1962. Um <laughs> And I was with a chef, a guy called Jonas uh, Helgeson, and we, we filmed all these cooking shows together for Discovery Channel, um, for Stonely, which was great. But yeah, we were, we were planning the, <laughs> the series by putting it on the corporate credit card. But anyway, so we're having this amazing dinner in this 1962 wine, and in walks René Redzepi from Noma and Magnus Nilsson from Fairviken. Wow. And Jonas, he's freaking out because these are his two, like, hero oh, chefs, yeah. right? Um and I could just see his head go down. I turn around. I'm like, oh, look, it's Magnus and Rennie. And he goes, don't go talk to them. I'm like, see, mate. So <laughs> I wandered over with my Jacobs Creek 1962 Shiraz. And I said, oh, Magnus, you just met my friend Fred a couple of weeks ago in Melbourne. 
And Rene, I've never met you. My name's Richo. Um, would you like to taste a wine from Australia? That's really nice. And they're like, what is it? And I was like, oh, I'll just pour it out. You know, and they were like, this is incredible. What is this? This is amazing. What is this, like a, an old Grange or something? I was like, no, it's 1962 Orlando Shiraz. And then I put my card down, which said Jacob's Creek on it. And they were like, oh, yeah, right. They're like, can we have a case? I was like, nah, mate. It's a one-off from auction. But it's this amazing thing of those guys, they're real foodies that still make food that tastes amazing. They're pushing the boundaries, but they're not taking the P155, as you said before, Jill. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've got about three and a half minutes to wrap up. In fact, let me just get our last set of promos away. Then we can wrap up the show. And then I'll hand it over to Lawrence in uh, next door for scouting around. Could Bergamot Advance be the light at the end of the tunnel for overall health? Nat Health Solutions is proud to announce the most powerful Bergamot product to date, Bergamot Advanced, which contains the patented BJE100 extract. BJE100 is exclusive to Nat Health Solutions and supports heart and liver health, as well as supporting blood circulation and relieving inflammation. Live life to the full with Bergamot Advanced. To order, call 1-300-977-889 or visit bergamot.com.au. Read the label and use as directed. Proud sponsor of 96.5 Inner FM. Tune in from 11am on Sundays to hear from local scouts as they chat about outdoor adventures, youth culture and play their favourite tunes. Keep up to date with their show by visiting their link tree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot double E forward slash scouting around. Scouting around every Sunday from 11 on 96.5 Inner FM. Podcasts of The Wine Show interviews are proudly supported by Law in Check. 1-800-LAW-IN-CHECK. Search The Wine Show Australia wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. We love uh, we love your questions coming in. We also think the podcasts are a great way of hearing what we do. Um, so we're going to wrap it up a little bit here. So thank you again, Mr. Paul Maxwell Taylor, for coming into the uh, studio. Richard, it's always like to be here. It's always too quick, and um, we also wanted to say thanks to Tim Dolan from. Well, do you know the winery? In, <laughs> do you know the winery in the Barossa? That's K A E S L E R. Yes. How do you pronounce it, Paul Taylor? Keisler. Ah, oh, well, there you go. So <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Oh, I'm not a Bogan. Oh, I'm <laughs> well, what did you say? Keisler? Keisler? Keisler. Yeah, Keisler. Keisler. Bloody heck, mate. What are you talking about? So we, <laughs> we had... Oh, um, I appreciate that. We had, Tim, we had Tim Dolan in from Keisler, slash Keisler, um, and Stephen Cook, my old mate from Pernarico, who makes the wines at Eisenstone, and, of course, Paul Taylor, you, yourself. Now, got plans for Sunday... Paul Taylor? I'm actually going to see my three-year-old grandson and take him to the playground because I haven't caught up with you for a couple of weeks, so oh, looking wonderful. forward to that. Nice. That's fabulous. And we thank you very much for coming into oh, the studio. Pleasure. 